0: Welcome back to the Hour View Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Annie Tremel. Join our conversation as we discuss the three steps every family must take in order to create healthy relationships between their children who have disabilities and their typically developing siblings. like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the hour view podcast where we aim to raise awareness educate and change the tone of conversation about disabilities on today's episode i'd like to welcome my guest annie Tremmel. and i'm looking forward to this conversation today we are uh going to discuss the family and um disabilities and how the family dynamics are impacted and specifically uh families that have uh, children where one child or multiple children have disabilities and other children in the family do not have disabilities, which is a big, uh, a great topic to address because as I've mentioned before, uh, I have an older sister who doesn't have a disability and I'm the only person in my entire family who has a disability, a visible disability, I should say. So that really does uh, have an impact on uh, the whole family dynamic and how people interact with each other, and um, so I thought this would be a great topic to address on the podcast today. So Annie, welcome to uh, the podcast, and I am grateful to have you here today to share your knowledge with us on this topic.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here.
0: Yeah, so um, if you could, could you just give us an introduction of yourself and tell us who is Annie Trouble?
1: Well, uh, who I am is many, many things, but I'll kind of start with what I do now, and then maybe we can go backwards and kind of figure out how I got to this crazy place <laughs> in my life. Um, so I am currently a family support strategist for Special Needs Families, What I do is I help parents and siblings of children with special needs to find connection among all the chaos that often exists in the family, and to make sure that everybody's needs get met equally. Um, So often there are, and depending on the disability we know, but there are often many resources for the the child with the disability, but very often um, other people in the family, including uh, the siblings of that child, The resources aren't necessarily sought for them or they're just not as readily visible to everybody in the family. So oftentimes, sometimes those, those things get overlooked. So that's what I do. That's my, that's my purpose. Um, And the reason I kind of came to, came to get to that point is because I myself am a sibling of a child with a disability.
0: Yeah, that is, um, that's so interesting that that really, um, you know, your life experience led you to uh, what you do now. And that was my goal in going to college to get a psychology degree. I was um, hopeful to uh, work with families who have children with disabilities because I feel like that is something my family could have benefited from. Um, You know, and of course, plans change and and life (laughs) takes you in different directions. And I am uh, totally happy with what I am doing now um, as, as I work and, and do this job here of um, owning my company of our view and working with a nonprofit that builds inclusive playgrounds. Um, but it's, it's so great when your life experience leads you to uh, your passion and to, um, you know, and, and leading you to, to what, what it is you want to do in life and, and where you find your place in the world to, uh, to help other families and, and to help other people. So that's uh, really great that that's how uh, that that came to be. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's definitely
1: been a crazy, it's been a crazy road to get here. Let me yes. tell
0: you. <laughs> yes. Uh, the next question I have for you is, could you give us uh, the, a few steps uh, that parents cannot skip when they are looking to create a healthy relationship between their children with disabilities and they're typically developing children.
1: Absolutely. And if it's OK with you, I'm yes. going to go back just a little bit more and just talk a little bit about when I was a kid. Because that's yes. kind of how I came to get to to these this method that I use when I work with families that yes. seems to work so well. Um, so I was the oldest of five. Uh, my middle sister, so it was me, two sisters, and two brothers. And my middle, my, my youngest sister, middle child, was the child with the disability. She had autism and intellectual disability. And then a whole bunch, a whole host of other medical issues that kind of sometimes come along with those things. The thing about my family was it would have been crazy anyway, right? You have seven kids and a small, or five kids, <laughs> seven people, small house. We were already a little nut. But you throw my sister in there and all the stuff that comes with that. And it really, you know, it made it for a really unique dynamic. With that many people and a sister with such high need, and frankly, not a whole lot of money, most of our resources went to helping her. And it makes sense. And it's what we needed to do. Uh, But as a result of that, we kind of were, the rest of us were a little bit along for the ride. And some of that involved like lots of trips to clinics. Like we never took vacations. We would run around these huge clinics. Like I'll never forget when I was a kid, we used to take, there's a variety of clinics, but one of the biggest ones was when we went to like Marshfield clinic in Wisconsin. If you're at all familiar, it's like in the center of the state. It's an enormous series of buildings, you know, thousands of doctors. And there'd be multiple appointments in one given day because they kind of try to group them together, but we'd be along for the ride. We'd be running through these halls, you know, figuring, you know, finding little places to cause trouble while my sister was getting all this crazy <laughs> stuff done to her. But you know, that's kind of how, it, how it, our lives revolved around it. And we didn't mm-hmm. know at the time that that was anything other than what you would, might call typical. It was just our life and we really did love it. But as I get older and I started to develop my own role identity and figure out who I was, I realized just how much of my life was shaped by being a sibling to a person with a disability. Um, I was also being the oldest naturally a caretaker. You know, I was someone who kind of picked up the slack and, you know, being a child of the 80s, you know, we were just kind of told to go run. Sometimes we were left to our own devices and that meant I was the one who was like, hey, you can't do that. You're going to burn the house down, you know, like (laughs) cut it out. So being that caretaker, being that sibling um, and then realizing as I grew up Like what else am I? I had a hard time figuring out who I was on my own without that. Um, And I think it caused a lot of, it caused me a lot of angst. It caused me a lot of trouble. And I never wanted to burden my parents with these issues that I was having. They had enough on their plate. There was plenty to do. There was enough to worry about. And I never wanted to bother them. That led me to being a young adult who really didn't know how to get my needs met. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to ask for what I needed. I didn't know even if it was okay to want something or to want something different or asked what I needed. I didn't know if it was okay to have like guilty or resentful feelings about my siblings. I I had no clue. I went into my adulthood that way and somehow managed, of course, being, you know, looking for answers. I became a school psychologist, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, educate thyself. So it turned out to be the perfect career for me in that I was able to learn a lot more about a wider variety of people with disabilities. I was able to learn a lot about myself and my role that I played personally and then what I could do professionally. And it, it really helped me to see the struggles, like what were my roadblocks when I was a kid? What could I have learned about? What could we have done as a family to get me to that place faster? And that's kind of where I came up with what I have now, which is uh, it's called the see me method. It's kind of based on the idea that a lot of siblings feel unseen. Um, hmm. So, so many, you know, for siblings, their first, they, their loyalty to their sib is, is huge. I mean, when you have a child with a disability in the family, you become real close, right? You, right. you know, the ins and outs, you go the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the dirty, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know it all. And you're their biggest advocate, hopefully, and mm-hmm. greatest supporter, but... You also have these strange feelings because you're a sibling. You, you don't like them sometimes. You're mad at them. They right. take you off. You know, <laughs> you're jealous. And I want, you know, the see me method kind of helps parents have children be seen, their feelings be seen, their thoughts be seen so that they can be a contributing member to that family in a way that's authentic to them and not just in a way where they feel they have to serve others.
0: Hmm that's really good and it's it's so important because it is the like you i'd love the name the see me method because it's it's almost like at times you know the other sibling takes the back seat and it's it's all the attention a lot of the attention is on the sibling that has the disability and um you know and that that's other sibling or the other siblings are they're individuals too and it shouldn't um you know, like you said, sometimes you just fall into certain roles and you just become the caregiver. And, uh, you know, but outside of that, they are uh, people and individuals too. So it, it really is, uh, you know, it's really great that you've created this.
1: Well, thanks. Well, and I mean, it's important to note too, this kind of dynamic isn't just bad for the typically developing SIB. I mean, when you are having these feelings towards your sibling with a disability and you're not able to voice them, verbalize them, deal with them, that really affects your relationship with them, that's not fair to them either. Right. You know, they, it's, it's, They're in the same situation as you are, you've been put there. Mm -hmm. you know nobody nobody created this
0: right yeah nobody can control it yeah
1: (laughs) right right no and they at least of all have the ability so it's really important for every member of the family so that those relationships and connections can happen and so that as adults you can have really good relationships
0: yeah that's really cool really great so that is um so that's really great that you've created this so what are the um what are what are what are the the steps to uh this see me method
1: Okay, so the seeming method, like I said, is based on being seen, you know, the idea that that's all all of us want. So it starts with safety. And these steps can apply to any siblings in any family, but they, as you hear me talk about it, you'll kind of see how they're applied differently in a, in a family with a child with special needs. So that first is safety, whereas in a typical family or typical people, anybody needs to feel safe to feel seen. You need to feel safe in your family. You need to feel comfortable being you. However, as we know, in many families with disability, safety takes on a whole new look. If you have a child with a disability who has aggression, um, who is not able to verbalize and therefore uses physical means of communicating, uh, safety is a whole nother issue. Some people obviously with disabilities have their own safety issues as far in as keeping themselves well keeping themselves Mm -hmm. healthy, keeping themselves taken care of. So when we look at that within um, families with disabilities, it's not just about establishing trust. It's about establishing actual, you know, things and and techniques in your home that keep everyone physically, mentally, emotionally safe. So the second piece of See Method is the engagement piece. And really the engagement has a lot to do with, frankly, attention, being attended to as a person. Um, receiving that time and receiving that quality interaction with the people um, that you live with. So many times in families with disabilities, we simply run out of time. There's only 24 hours in a day. How much can you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, really important that we we figure out how to attend to all of the siblings in the family, um, particularly since Frankly, a lot of the times the child with a disability would love to have the attention of someone else for a little while. That's a good thing. <laughs> it helps everybody, right? Yes. Sometimes they're just like, leave me alone, you know, <laughs> get out of my way. I'm fine. So, um, and there's other siblings in the family who would love that attention at that point. So we focus a lot on that. And then the last E in C is for empowerment the idea that every single person in the family, including the typically and non typically developing kids, need. they need control. They need control of their own life. They need the word I'm looking for is purposeful choices Uh in their lives on, on how the, their role in the family, how, how things go. Um, so it's, it's, and unfortunately, oftentimes if a family with disability is in crisis, control goes out the window, right? That's what we all want. Nobody has it and it's gone. Um, And even on a day-to-day basis, if we don't set our environment up for support, like every day on a daily basis, we can often feel out of control and not even know why. Right. Simply because we don't have those supports in place. So that's a huge piece. Um, And that's like the main core of the CME method is those three things, safety, engagement, and empowerment.
0: Yeah, that is there. And they're all, like you said, they're all very much needed and needed. You know, and they they really, they really do apply to, you know, any family really. And it's uh you know, definitely uh, those families with uh children with and without disabilities. So it's very uh, very great. And I love the acronym for C. That's uh very easy to remember. <laughs> Thank
1: you. That's yes. what I was going for. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> very easy to remember. That's good. <laughs> nice and short. So <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah. so, uh, so I, I loved, again, I loved hearing your, your story and your background of how, um, how you got to this point of wanting to, uh, create something that would be beneficial for, uh, families, uh, who have children with and without disabilities. And it's just really, um, it's very important. Again, I, um, when you were talking about, uh, you know, your your siblings being your your greatest support, I always tell people there's nobody that fought more with me than my sister, but there's nobody who supported me more than my sister, <laughs> and looked yes. out for me more than my sister.
1: <laughs> fought with you and fought for you, right? Yes, and, and sometimes both in the midst of a se- in one minute,
0: right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> one
1: one second and one the other,
0: and it's Absolutely. so funny. And I can remember my mom would always tell my sister like he uses crutches he uses a wheelchair he's going to be bigger and stronger than you one day and he's going to hurt you <laughs> you know he's going to hurt you and i'll never forget it she was um and we were we were uh, not not adults but we were uh teenagers and it was a s- sad story it was the the week that my dad had passed away and i was 17 my sister was starting her first year of college in another state. So she had come home and she came home and she wanted to lay in my bed with me. Um, For what reason? I have no idea. (laughs) Never, (laughs) never, never did that before. But what she did was she was in my room to really just bother me. So she kept touching my face and she's like just doing things and just, just enough to bother me. So (laughs) the one thing I remember and I um, I put my one arm under her neck and I put my other arm under her, under her legs and I threw her across my body onto the floor. <laughs> and all I remember is my mom saying in the next room, I told you he would be bigger than you one day. <laughs> you know, and all my sister said was, okay, good night, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>
1: I was like, suddenly the dynamic (laughs) shifts.
0: Yeah. I just kept saying like, leave me alone, leave me alone. So I I can definitely relate to, um, you know, what you were saying about your, your siblings, you know, being your greatest support, but then, uh, you know, just like everybody else, every other family, it's, you know, you you have your arguments and your disagreements and things like that. And, um, so it's really, uh, again, it's really great that you have created this, um, you know, this method and you're working with families to, uh, help everybody just work together and, and make the family, uh, you know, make the family work. And that's, uh, you know, the most important, we all have to, uh, work together because again, like you said, it's, it's something that nobody can change. Nobody created this, uh, you know, the situation with the child having a disability, the, the sibling having a disability, but there are ways that we can all, uh, work together and, and just be successful as a unit and work together. So that is, uh, very, very important. Um, So what what would be one piece of advice that you would give to parents who are raising children, um, you know, raising a family where uh, a child or multiple children have disabilities and others do not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's a great question. My initial gut response is to say, hang on tight, but that's not very helpful. So (laughs) I think what I'll say instead is um, don't isolate yourself. Be really aware of what, of, of how you're responding when people offer to help you and whether or not you're isolating yourself. Cause I find so many parents, particularly moms, Uh when someone offers to help, you know, they have this, this conversation going through their heads so quickly and almost unconsciously of man, you know, do they really want to help? You know, do they really want to see what's going on here in this household? Do they really want to see the reality of my life? Is it going to be too much for them to handle? Am I then going to have to deal with their feelings for how this is going for them if they're helping me? Wait a minute, it'll just be easier for me to do it myself. And suddenly what (laughs) pops out of their mouth is, nope, I'm fine, Mm -hmm. right? It's just just a form of isolating ourselves um, when really we need to be creating that circle of support that we talked about earlier. So my biggest biggest thing is ask for help, recognize when you might be isolating yourself or creating this barrier to Mm -hmm. help, And, you know, look for support in wherever you manage to find it. There are many groups. There are coaches like myself. There are other families who maybe have a few tricks that you don't know about yet. You know, if we share those struggles that we're having, um, it's amazing the resources that suddenly start to pop up that are easy to implement and that make us feel a lot more supported and just a lot more happy in our lives in general.
0: Yes, that is so true. And um, through doing this podcast, I've connected with Um, a lot of people who have different types of disabilities, I've I've been able to interview. And the one thing that a lot of them say um, is that the network of support that they've had throughout their life, and they can remember being, you know, younger, and just how extended family and and family friends just really stepped in to help. And, um, you know, and even today, where they have friends, and even for myself, where, uh, you know, having friends that just over the last year that have just checked in on me and said, Hey, I'm going to the store. Do you need anything? Knowing that, you know, with the pandemic, I wasn't going outside as much. So it's just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those who are offering help, you know, thank you so much. And, uh, Mm -hmm. just being willing to accept the help. And like you said, connecting with other families who uh, are experiencing the same or similar, um, diagnosis as, as you are. And, uh, you know, what works for them. And you might be able to try it and say like, oh, wow, that works for us too.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and it's gold, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those connections are gold. And I love that you brought up like this last year, like, you know, with COVID and the pandemic and everything yes. that's been happening, you know, feeling, feeling safe in general has been a very hard thing for everybody. Yes. And if you're a parent or a person, um, like many of us are introverts or just someone who tends to be a little more, you know, I'll figure this out myself, there's a really good chance you've isolated yourself in this last year right. slowly without even realizing it. So, you know, maybe just take a little inventory and make sure that you're getting what you need because yeah, that's just those, those people, those resources, it's just invaluable.
0: Yeah. It's really, um, you know, and the, the great thing uh, that I love about one of the great things I love about social media is that it gives um, it gives people a platform now to put their um uh, put themselves out there and coaches and, uh, support systems and, and groups that, uh, you know, they've, they've created a lot of, a lot of groups on social media, on Facebook and things like that, where you can get, uh, connected to other people to share resources and to, uh, know what's available out there because a lot of times some, uh, services that are available, they're difficult to find. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So it's Yeah. They to want find, you to find right? them, but they, right. they want you to find them, but they, how do they get to you? Social right. media is great.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's really great to, uh, you know, to connect with other people and, um, you know, see what works for them and, and it might just work for you as well. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for this, uh, conversation for this great, uh, these great steps and tips that we can, um, you know, again, utilize and, and implement within our own families to, um, you know, better, like I said, just make us all work together as a, a unit, and um, it's that we're better together.
1: <laughs> we uh, are. Then, it sounds yeah. cheesy, but it's so true. But it's
0: so true. <laughs> it is. It's so true. Um, and then it's, it's again, going back to what we were just saying about, um, you know, accepting the help and just uh, being willing to, uh, you know, let go, because that's part of, you um, that's part of a self care thing as well. And it just, it really helps alleviate some of the uh, you know, not much, but it helps alleviate some of the stress that, you know, might be going on and just, you know, bringing other people into, you know, to assist with uh, some, some things that, um, you know, you may need help with. So it's very important that uh, again, it's very important. I'm very glad that we had this conversation and I appreciate your, uh, your time and your, knowledge and and the the way you just broke everything down was very easy to understand. So I uh, thank you so much for that.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. It's a great opportunity, a great conversation, and I always love an opportunity to, to share and to help.
0: Yeah. Great. So thank you so much. And you have a great day. (laughs) You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the hour view podcast. Leave us a review wherever you listen and let us know what you liked about this episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms for more disability-related content at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. If you listen to this episode on your phone, take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and be sure to tag us. We thank you for listening and take care.